welcome to Foreign Connect podcast. Thank you very much for coming to the show today. Thank you, Natsumi. It's a yeah. pleasure to be with you today. Yes. So to start this interview, I wanted to ask you what your background is as a lawyer uh, and also a business developer. Uh, can you tell me where you work right now? What, what have you done and so forth? Yes, that's name. Um, my name is Cameron Tusi, and um, I'm the managing partner of IP Law Leaders. It actually stands for Integrated Professional Law Leaders. Um, mm -hmm. One of our key areas is intellectual property law. Mm -hmm. Another one is technology-oriented business law. Mm -hmm. So we are, our law firm represents very much businesses, especially at the startup stage and mid-sized businesses as they're growing. I myself have about a quarter of a century of experience. Mm -hmm. uh, I've done just about everything as, as you might um, imagine from multi-million dollar litigations with very big settlements for clients, um, both in IP and in the business-oriented um, IP uh, related um, law. Mm -hmm. um, I do a great deal of procurement, meaning trying to get intellectual property for companies, mm -hmm. whether it's patents, trademarks, um, copyrights, trade secrets. Sometimes we have many issues in that area. Mm -hmm. uh, we do a great deal of technology-oriented law. Mm -hmm. um, and by that, I mean, we, we do help corporations to get incorporated and formed, mm -hmm. um, as well as trying to distribute, you know, make questions, key questions that a company has, like distribution of shares, um, how to deal with um, venture capitalists, although we've represented both sides. We've represented both the investors as well as startups in that area. Mm. It's, a, it's a very thriving practice. I'm mm -hmm. very happy. I formed the firm in uh, 2012. Mm -hmm. um, so we, you know, we're kind of a startup ourselves, if you think mm. about it. That's how we operate as well. Mm -hmm. All of our lawyers had decades of experience Mm. before they joined us. Um, mm. That's the same with me at some of the very big firms where I think you get good experience. Mm -hmm. One of the issues was that, you know, when you're um, trying to represent, especially newer companies and companies that are just looking to grow, they're very cost sensitive. Mm -hmm. It's not as easy for them to dig deep and pay as much for legal fees. Mm -hmm. And so we thought this was a good opportunity to serve them mm. and serve the entrepreneurial community. Mm. And I myself have um, recently formed a podcast too, just to oh. be able to talk to, to entrepreneurs. Yes. That's so, awesome. What's the name you. of the podcast? It's just named after me. It's Cameron Tusi Podcast, but it's, mm. it's focus is on entrepreneurship. Oh, uh, my perfect. name is C-A-M-E-R-O-N and my last name is T-O-U-S-I. Mm. Okay, perfect. Be on the lookout for it. It's getting released in August, so. Sounds good. We'll make sure to list that also in the show notes. Um, Thank you. So with that being said, you kind of explained um, also like a checklist. Well, I, I guess the variety of the service areas that you provide uh, within law, uh, law right? Mm -hmm. But I want to know if there's any sort of like a checklist you prepare for companies. Well, I have uh, due diligence lists and checklists, and um, if your listeners are welcome, if they get a hold of me, and I can provide the specific checklist, but I can describe some of it for you here. Okay. So um, an easy way to get a hold of me, if you go to IP Law Leaders, I-P-L-A-W-L-E-A-D-R-S.com, or 
um, email me Cameron at IPLawLeaders.com. Um, I can provide the very specific due diligence or checklists as, mm-hmm. um, as, as a required. Mm-hmm. I can explain to you some of what's required right now in terms of our conversation. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're bringing a corporation to the U.S. or you're mm-hmm. just starting it for the first time, you're really going to be concerned about three main areas of law. One is obviously mm-hmm. going to be the corporate law because mm-hmm. you're going to have to worry about, you know, if, if it's owned principally, let's say in Japan and you have what, that's where the mothership is. And then you have, um, you know, joint ventures with a company in the U S or you have a parent child type of relationship. So you're going to have a subsidiary, et cetera, in the U S you're going to worry about what exactly are those relationships and um, how are these companies connected? Meaning um, where is the distribution of the control of the companies? Is there enough independence of, of um, to be able to operate in the U S mm. there's going to be an enormous amount of time spent on, you know, compliance, depending mm-hmm. on what your particular area is. Mm-hmm. Like for example, if you're in communications, we're going to have to make sure that you're complying with the FCC regulations Mm. Um, if you're, you know, if you're in pharmaceuticals, et cetera, every one of those, you have to make sure that you have the legal compliances required that goes along with the corporate, um, end of it, mm. as well as the third part of the corporate side of it, if you will, mm. are the transactions that you do. Those are the day-to-day contracts, the bread and butter, if you will, mm. of having companies do well. Mm-hmm. Um, by continuing to get additional transactions and grow the company. Mm-hmm. That's that kind of day-to-day activity. You're going to want a transactions lawyer who's very much on the spot with you mm-hmm. so that if you need immediate help, they can jump in and start negotiating agreements for you, or mm-hmm. at least provide a template so that you can con- conduct your business. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the second big area um, is going to be employment law. Employment law in the U.S. Mm-hmm. is going to be obviously different than in other countries. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, our law firm does some employment litigation mm-hmm. um, where we represent corporations that have mm-hmm. you know, run into some issues there because the, the corporate laws, excuse me, the employment laws back home may mm-hmm. be different than what they are in the U.S. and typically they very much are. Mm-hmm. And so um, we have to just make sure that there's compliance and that the, and it, what's interesting about the U.S., by the way, um, Sunny, is that in the U.S., you have 50 states and each mm-hmm. has its own separate jurisdictions. So you do have a federal jurisdiction that oversees the, all of it, but you also mm-hmm. have independent state jurisdictions as well. So even if you have compliance in the US, let's say an employment law with, you know, what you think is, you know, the, the federal law, mm-hmm. each state is going to have its, and each city even is going to have its own different kinds of, of uh, laws or regulations regarding how um, employees are be treated, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And you have to be careful of it because, you know, you can sometimes hit uh, spots where, um, there people are just very litigious you know i've mm-hmm. uh, we've we've had incidents of somebody working at a company for a few weeks and next thing you know they have a big lawsuit on their hands mm-hmm. so it's very important for your listeners to be mindful of that um, mm-hmm. and be getting the employment advice of course that's mm-hmm. an area that um, we cover as well depending mm-hmm. on the jurisdiction and the kind of work that's required Mm-hmm. But even for a, at a startup stage, at a very early mm-hmm. stage of development for a company, mm-hmm. you've got to be cognizant of um, 
your employees, what's mm-hmm. the ownership um, or, or not of, mm-hmm. for example, IP. Mm-hmm. If you have a startup company in technology, mm-hmm. if you've got um, in, in high tech or biotech, et cetera, mm-hmm. some of the core technology that you develop is going to be a key asset of your business. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure that's all protected. But remember, you also have to be careful that the uh, employees who work for you are mm-hmm. not able to just sort of quit and take what they've developed elsewhere. Mm-hmm. That's where a lot of problems happen. That's where sometimes you get trade secret litigations or, or patent suits and all these kinds of things. But you do have to worry about, uh, you know, do you really own that IP? Mm-hmm. You know, that's a very key aspect of, of the employment, particularly for startups. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, in the U.S., the states vary. California, for example, gives, gives more, uh, I would say, they're, they're kinder sort of to employ employees mm-hmm. in terms of what type of IP they get to keep versus some other states. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, like New York, for example. So it's really good to be uh, mindful of that, that you've mm-hmm. got to make sure that, you know, that's really part of the equation for the employment aspect of, mm-hmm. of the legal endeavors that, you know, you're, you're helping for, for corporations. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and the third part of it, as I've already touched on, is the intellectual property of it. Mm-hmm. That's particularly important if you've got companies that, you know, they're in software, hardware, biotech, Mm-hmm. Um, pharmaceuticals, all these areas where the technology is key to mm-hmm. your business, mm-hmm. you want to make sure that you have a good, you know, due diligence checklist, which, you know, mm-hmm. we do with, with clients mm-hmm. and you've got a good rundown and an understanding of what needs to be protected and what type of IP or intellectual property mm-hmm. is used to protect it, be it patents, copyrights, trademarks, trade secrets. Mm-hmm. Those are being the four uh, key pillars of the IP protection. Mm-hmm. And so um, it, in, again, with, with our firm, what we do is we, we take a, we basically create like an internal patent filtration committee, particularly mm-hmm. for the technology companies where we're assessing, helping the client assess what key areas of IP is it that need to be protected and what's our strategy mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. You should also have early on, instead of waiting till later, mm-hmm. a licensing strategy as well as litigation if you have to go there strategy, right? Mm-hmm. Litigation is something most operating companies would like to avoid, mm-hmm. but you have to be cognizant of, of the problems that may be created early on, mm-hmm. right? So for example, if we're um, helping a company develop its patent for- portfolio, mm-hmm. we want to make sure that the patents that they develop are litigation tested, you know, they're, um, they're litigation ready. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason is because if you were to take the IP that you protected by virtue of, you know, some strong patents right now, right? Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to get a patent license with another company, mm-hmm. guess what they're going to do? They're going to hire an attorney to look to see how strong those patent claims are and how strong the patent itself is and how enforceable it is, okay? So they're going to be taking a look at it just like you would if you were in a litigation already. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, if it happens that the parties uh, cannot come to agreement, you know, you're not able to, as, as an enforcer is not able to collect his funds or defender mm-hmm. thinks that, you know, this, these patents are worthless. We don't want to pay anything on them. You end up in litigation. It's really, it's just think of it as, as a continuation of your settlement strategy here, because 
patent lists in particular, I mentioned patent lists because I'm talking about technology companies, mm -hmm. but these kinds of suits in particular um, settle, um, vast majority settle over 90 some percent. It's just a matter of how they settle. I can go into a lot of the specifics of that for you, but I just want at this high level mm -hmm. that there would be an understanding that whoever is crafting your IP portfolio should have a good awareness and understanding of how to test it and, um, and make sure that it's, it's litigation ready. Even if you're, well, your ultimate goal is just to use the patents defensively mm -hmm. or to license them. And the last thing in the world that you want is litigation. The U.S. is a very litigious country, and you always have to be mindful of that. I think mm -hmm. that's actually one of the key differentiators of our firm versus mm -hmm. others, because the people who are drafting your applications are working with, in teams with the litigators, mm -hmm. and many of the people who even draft and prosecute the applications. Prosecution, by the way, that's any just means that trying to get a patent for someone. It, it doesn't mean that you're putting anybody in jail or anything. Mm -hmm. But the but the prosecution of the patent application, that type of work mm -hmm. is done by people who are doing litigation or are in very close teams with people who are doing litigation. And I think that's very much of a differentiator in terms of, of the um, overall um, offerings that we have. I have recommended, and this isn't just an advertisement for my firm, I recommended this to other lawyers as well for mm -hmm. many years. And I, just because I've, I've been in this industry and I've just seen a lot and, um, and it's just from the voice of experience, you'll have to trust me. <laughs> oh, I see. Well, I mean, this was a lot of very insightful uh, information, but now Thank I'm you. a little bit scared. Like, can you tell me <laughs> <laughs> when companies should like look into hiring lawyers when they want to first like enter um, foreign, well, American market? Well, first of all, I, I didn't mean to scare you. It's like, it's kind of like, I guess it's a lawyer's job to scare people and then that's how they make their money or something. But it's like, but it's, but there's, there's a lot to be careful about there, you know? So think yeah. of, of as a lawyer, their, their job is to sort of keep you out of trouble, make sure that you have the freedom to do what right. you need to do. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, in terms of, I think you're, you're asking, <clears throat> when should you bring your counsel in? Yeah. I think the earlier, the better, because um, the issue is that if you, you know, you might be doing things um, without understanding some of the repercussions involved. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, for example, let me give you one very small example um, mm -hmm. in the IP field in particular. Okay. If I recommend, like, if a company thinks that another um, company is infringing its patents, it's natural to send a letter to that company and say, stop infringing. It's called a cease and desist letter, you know? Mm -hmm. And sometimes these are written very harshly, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Now, if you have someone who doesn't know what they're doing, mm -hmm. um, now that could be because you know, you're this great business person, but you don't understand the laws, or maybe you're working with uh, an attorney who is, is more of a general practitioner. They don't know mm -hmm. the specifics of it. They mm -hmm. might just go ahead and send that letter without thinking carefully about it. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason it's, you want to be thinking really carefully is because in the U.S., by sending a harsh letter, you might be creating a, an opportunity for that other party to sue you. Mm. It's called a declaratory judgment action. That means that if I threaten you with something, mm -hmm. then the question is, are you able to sue me first? Mm -hmm. the, the reason you might want to sue me first is say, look, this guy won't leave me alone. I want to prove that I'm innocent, right? I want to prove that I'm not infringing. I want to prove that I have... And so you can 
bring the suit first. So it's like, a, think of it as like a defendant, a potential defendant bringing a lawsuit. Now we call it declaratory judgment action, okay, DJ. DJ mm -hmm. is, is, is mentioned a lot mm -hmm. um, in our parlance. Mm -hmm. The reason you have to be careful is because you might be sending a letter to a company and it's going to want to sue you in its own background, in, excuse me, its own backyard, meaning at a, at a court that's closer to it because it's going to think it's going to get a more favorable jury or a judge or treatment or the general public likes them more. It's a major company in that area, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden you've lost the battle of the forums, the battle of the venue. Where is that suit brought? Okay. Mm -hmm. So just by something as simple as sending a letter, you might be creating um, a potential litigation against yourself. Whereas one didn't even exist. You were looking to just send a letter and tell these, you know, to these people to either um, to stop infringing or to uh, sign up for a license agreement. So what I'm saying is even in that very specific little example, you've got to be really careful. Now, in particular, if a corporation is, is looking to build a subsidiary in the US or if a startup is looking to get, you know, these are just two examples, is if a startup is looking to get going mm -hmm. and develop itself, you've got to be careful because, you know, you have to be thinking against, you know, regarding all the rules and regulations I mentioned, you know, mm -hmm. are you entitled to operate this company? Do you have all the licenses that you need? Are you incorporated properly? Have you given, for example, all your assets to the wrong person? I mean, have you mm -hmm. distributed and, you know, crazy amount of shares in a way that you're not going to be able to take back or walk back later? Mm -hmm. How are you dealing with your angel investors? How are you dealing with potential VCs that'll come in the next round? You know, how much control is kept by you? Remember mm -hmm. that a lot of times with startups in particular, um, there is a distribution of preferred shares. So these are shares that even though a, somebody may have a smaller number of shares, they may have much more control mm -hmm. by virtue of having these shares mm -hmm. than other regular shares, okay? Mm -hmm. So if you have, and what, hap what happens very often um, probably more often than not, is that when a venture capitalist works with a startup company, they're going to want some special preferred shares for themselves. Mm -hmm. And those shares will, for example, entitle them to be paid first once there are revenues mm. versus owners of other shares. Mm -hmm. It'll, a lot of times it's about, a, about control. If the shares may give them um, an opportunity to take control of the company if they if it's not making the if it's not going in the right direction or making mm -hmm. the, the revenues they want etc. Mm -hmm. These these things have to be thought up very carefully. Whether you're on the funding side of it, and especially if you're on you know somebody who's just got this uh, technology or something else that you're looking to expand and develop and grow, mm -hmm. that you know you afford yourself the proper amount of, you know, at least if there's going to be some preferred shares that, that you afford yourself, you know, an even kind of an opportunity mm. that you make, you know, remember every word of a contract is, is going to be negotiated between the two sides. And the difference between something that's going to really protect you and something that really may not may come down to just a few words in that agreement. Mm. Okay. So one of, one of the recommendations also that I make is remember there's going to be a valuation of corporations early on. 
especially when you're bringing funders and investors on board, right? Mm -hmm. So there is going to be some uh, grappling over, you know, whatever assets I bring to the table. Let's say I developed, you know, this really cool technology, really valuable, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I want that to be properly valued Mm -hmm. um, when we go into negotiations with investors. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. So a lot of times people that are more seasoned and more experienced, what they're looking to do mm -hmm. is to have a better valuation, but also they might spend more time developing that before they bring really principal rounds of investors in. Okay. Mm -hmm. So why? Because you want to get a bigger valuation. You want to say that what I brought to the table is worth more and be able to um, be able to get a better dollar value for what mm -hmm. you're bringing to the table. Mm -hmm. Does that make any sense? Yep. But it's very high level, to be honest. But this is very insightful. Um, I'm, I'm really, I really appreciate that you share this information with us. So uh, finally, I noticed that you also have your own experience leading venture back to startup, right? And perhaps this is probably one of the competitive advantages you have uh, against other lawyers too, because maybe some, uh, some lawyers are more like a generalist, as you mentioned earlier. Can you tell me the experience you had when you were leading the venture back to startup yourself as well? Well, on the, well, let me put it to you this way. Um, the startups that I've had, um, what, what we did, I'm sorry, Jeff, you can, what we did with the um, these startups, we actually were able to um, bring dollars to the table from our um, the corporation that was sponsoring us. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know if you if you follow Gary V or Gary Vaynerchuk at all. Yeah, but I do. Uh, one. I'm sorry. I, I do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, so one of the things that he's mentioned, which I agree with, is it should not be, you know, a pound, you know, chest pounding moment of great pride or anything when you're when you're uh, borrowing money. It mm -hmm. should be a sad day for you because mm -hmm. you got to pay that back and everything. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of times that young entrepreneurs think that the only thing I really need to do as soon as I get that funding, I'm, I'm set, I'm done. It's not really the case. That's really where it just, your task begins and you don't mm -hmm. want to be borrowing funds and you're not going to be able to, to pay back properly or be able to build this company well. Right. So you've got to have a really good game plan, mm -hmm. um, which is what um, we did. Um, I had uh, one company was, uh, I was a co-founder. The, the guy was a principal founder of it. We were doing marketing in the NASCAR world which N-A-S-C-A-R, which is an auto racing in the U.S. is kind of a big industry. Mm -hmm. Our principal focus was on the marketing end of it. But mm -hmm. we also had a racing team as well. As a matter of fact, we were one of only four teams that were the, um, uh, well, we were one of four teams that, that had, uh, we, we got Toyota the first mm -hmm. time a Japanese manufacturer ever got into NASCAR. Wow. We were one of those four. We actually got them their very first win, mm. uh, believe it or not. <laughs> wow. <So>. That's amazing. <laughs> that's, that's right. You didn't know I had a relationship with, with Toyota. Um, you should also know that for many years, I've worked on IP matters for uh, many, many Japanese companies at, uh, at mm. law firms, et cetera, from you name it, NEC, Mitsubishi. Mm. Uh, wow. <laughs> many, many of these corporations. Wow. Um, and I think that... Uh, 
any of those companies want to talk to me now, the IP landscape is completely different than it used to be. <laughs> you have to change your operations right. <laughs> regarding that. Yeah. So uh, uh, I'm happy to talk about that. But uh, anyway, that's the, the venture that you're talking about. Uh, a lot of it is from, you know, I'm an advisor to mm -hmm. startups. Mm. Uh, I also, you know, as, as a legal advisor to startups, mm -hmm. um, I help with that with that i also do the mm -hmm. same work on the as a regular attorney mm -hmm. um advisor so i've probably seen a lot more of it mm -hmm. than maybe your average um entrepreneur mm. but when i was doing the business myself those mm -hmm. you know those elements were just a lot more key because mm -hmm. then it's you know it's your own money it's your own assets and you're always mm -hmm. worried about it mm, i see i see well um Thank you very much for coming to the show today. Uh, we had like a lot of valuable information from you today. So I really appreciate that. So before I let you go, can you tell, tell us where people can find you? Yes. If you go to IPLawLeaders.com, I-P-L-A-W-L-E-A-D-E-R-S.com, mm -hmm. um, or you can even email me, Cameron, C-A-M-E-R-O-N, at IPLawLeaders.com. You're welcome to get a hold of me that way. Mm. Do you, you have any also, social media? Yeah, sorry. Yes, there's a lot of social media. If you look up IP Law Leaders, it should come up. Okay. So we have, uh, we're, we're big on Facebook. We're, mm -hmm. um, we're everywhere, you know, YouTube, et cetera. And I have a new podcast, as I mentioned, coming up. So if you right. Google podcast, my name, mm -hmm. um, it should pop up as well. But yes, okay. we're, we're quite active. Like you have to be these days, right? Right. So. Yeah. On social. Yeah. Well, perfect. Right. Thank you so much.